And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh, what you doing? Drinking today? No, you're about to go to the lake. Oh, I'm jealous. You got your ID with you? Yeah. Where's the restroom? Damn. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, June 24th. I'm J.E. Skeets, rolling with the homie, Tass Mellis. What's up, everybody? What's up, Tass? Got my Top Shot Hot Boy. Was just watching some cool deer calls. Trey Kirby. <laughs> the International Man of Mystery, taking it to the max, Leelis. Friends. <clears throat> Finally, the man making the magic happen is J.D. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Shout out to the stream team for joining us live right now on YouTube. Smash that like button leave your comments and subscribe keep sending in your questions and comments for the next beach step and podcast email them in no dunks at theathletic.com and go grab your no dunks merch over at nodunks.com immaculate items always available uh yes i'm in a new location here this morning my power went out over in the neighborhood so i had to quickly panic scramble Hey, my buddy Grish, can I use your office to record a podcast with my buddies talking about hoops? Yeah, no problem, man. So he's got some cool art up behind him when he sits in his office here. But yeah, somebody just took out a utility pole. Just Uh-oh. straight, like, wiped it wow. out. So it went boom about an hour ago. But we're okay. And the uh, yeah, we'll test his Wi-Fi here. Off to a decent start. I feel like I like this <laughs> connection great. better. Yeah. Maybe I even sound better in this. I think I might have to. I might have to lease this office from him. <laughs> I love it. Is he? Uh, is he still around right now? It'd be great to get Grish on here, have him, you know, declare Hawks Bucks already over. Get him to make some other predictions that don't come true in the future. Could be well, a fun segment. He is here, TK. And I asked him right before coming in. I said, "Come on, give me a hot take. What am I taking to the guys?" He said. Douchebag sweep. He likes the Bucks. Wow. And the Bucks. This guy's insane. <laughs> there we man. go. There we go. Crazy, oh, crazy uh, take. That's on brand, though, isn't it? Really, yeah. for Grish to, yeah, yeah just uh, swerve. <laughs> it's a hell of a swerve. Uh, on today's show, we're going to discuss the stacked Team USA roster that's been announced. Thaddeus Young winning an award I didn't even know existed. Uh, congrats to him, and the Celtics have their new head coach. But first, yeah, let's get into the game. Trey Young scores 48 points. Kaka! As the Hawks beat the Bucks 116-113 in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Lily, have at it, man. I mean, there's something unbelievable yet totally believable about, about what Trey's doing out there because he keeps on cooking and clowning his opponents. And I think uh, Budenholzer, a bit like Doc Rivers and Thibodeau, probably think that he can't do what he's doing or at least sustain it or that the answer to stopping him is simply just like, just put a bigger guy on him. I mean, every defender is basically bigger than him. But Trey, once again, basically dictated how this game was going to be played and eventually won by the Hawks because offensively, he is the definition of a triple threat as soon as he crosses halfway. He can shoot, he can pass or keep his dribble. And if you don't put pressure on him, then you're giving him some seconds and some time to decide which of those ones he's going to choose to bust out. I mean, he has the unlimited range on the three. And look, there's a few heat checks in there, sure, but you live with those because... First off, he's shown he can make them consistently from that, you know, Steph Dame range, but he doesn't just take those ones either. You know, he does get closer in at times and takes those. But when he's feeling them, he's like, I've got this shot, and you have to trust him to take those right now. He has the ability to get into the paint seemingly whenever he chooses to. He's not afraid of contact, had 12 free throw attempts last night, made 10. And the other part is that this part of his game, which I think has really stood out a lot in the playoffs, is his floater and his lob. It's difficult to tell those two apart sometimes because he gets into the paint and sometimes you think, okay, maybe he's taken a bad floater here and all of a sudden Collins or Capella just rise up and dunk it. So it was like a deliberate play. Or if someone like Bobby Portis is there and they sort of sit back, then he does just float it over his head. And the, uh, the Bucks perimeter defense last night, I mean, they stayed single coverage most of the time, continually went under streams, just giving him 
those shots and he just decided okay when i'm ready to i'm just going to cross over my opponent and get to the shot or the move that i want to make and if he gets into the paint as i said the lob or the floater but he also can hit that sort of bounce pass that wraparound pass to a rolling capella or whoever it is and last night the bucks were just chasing him around chasing shadows 48 points on 34 shots the four threes 10 of 12 at the line as i mentioned and 11 assists he, com- he contributed to 72 points of what the atlanta hawks scored and he did whatever they wanted because I didn't think the Bucks' defense was either interested in really putting a lot of pressure on him or they weren't able to put a lot of pressure on him. So Budenholzer going forward has to now decide what he's going to do. Trey isn't worried about Drew Holiday. We saw that last night. Giannis isn't going to defend him for, for many possessions, maybe once or one or two. PJ Tucker can't defend him. He's going to be way too slow. So it's going to be basically Drew or Middleton if it's that single coverage. I don't think Pat Connaughton's going to get a shot at him. And that's really not going to bother him. So so Budenholz is going to have to decide, okay, we're either giving up, you know, Trey going for 48, or they maybe trap him early, get that ball out of his hands, and rely or, or risk the other Hawks beating them. And if you're mm-hmm. Nate McMillan, I think you're probably okay with that scenario right now. Trey's shown as well, like he saw in Game 7. He doesn't have to be like, I've got to score all the points. You know, if he's not feeling it and other guys are, the Hawks can live with that. And so an absolutely incredible performance, uh, made even more so special, I think, by Trey busting out what is his most impressive playoff taunt. Uh, when he lost Drew Holiday there, got open, paused... I mean, paused yeah. for like like an eternity in the NBA world, shimmied the shoulders, swish bombed the three, paused again, and then just smirked <laughs> at the crowd. I mean, it was like, you know, we always talk about in basketball how these athletes are super, uh, super special and quick. They can close out so quickly. He had time to basically say, I am just going to rub your noses in this and then swished it of all things. And like my man Heavy D once said, I like the way you wiggle, you don't jingle, but you jiggle. And that's really what Trey Young did out there last night. Because the Bucks crowd... Like my man Heavy D says. (laughs) But the Bucks crowd, I mean, they were obviously watching the first two rounds and they were like, we can't taunt this guy because he's going to kill us. So we just have to basically enjoy the show. So I was just... uh, You know, speaking of your buddy Grish, I mean, this game absolutely can't be one of those ones. You, when any Anytime you watch the Hawks game, you can no longer say it's done in the first right, quarter. Right. One thing I'll say about Nate McMillan, I think he deserves a lot of credit for this. His team plays 48 minutes. They play until the very end. We've seen that time and time again in the playoffs. But it starts with Trey. Other Hawks played well. Giannis played well for the Bucks, but this is all about Trey Young this morning. Mm-hmm. He was phenomenal last night. And, can we uh, stop calling it a shimmy, though? It's not a shimmy. It's not what, a, Mar- it? what, what, what do you call it? I agree. Like he just said about heavy D, the jingle. The, what did he jingle or jingle? I can't. I can't jingle. even tell. <laughs> no, no. But, he said. He said, <laughs> he said. I like the way you wiggle. You don't jingle, but you jiggle. You jiggle. Yeah. So when when you shimmy, you're jiggling the cleavage. It's it's front to back. <laughs> front it's to front. Back. That's a shimmy. Mark Jackson shimmy front to back. Mm-hmm. If you're going up and down, like that's a shrug. Up it's and not down. A shrug. It's not no, a shrug not either. Not a shrug either. No way. We already yeah. got an NBA shrug. Yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. but it's up and down. It's definitely more of a shrug. A shimmy's front to back. It's cleavage shaking. It's jiggling. I it's disagree. I disagree. I think it's a shimmy. I think it's his I, shimmy. I think it's it was up, a one-shoulder shimmy because the other one doesn't do anything. It's more the right shoulder that he somehow just, without moving the left one all that much, had going. <laughs> when I got, when I, John Schumann's got it right. It's a shiver. It's Trey Young. He's sure. ice cold. That's a shiver right there. Right. I would have gone with the side because it feels like he's a, uh, what did he say? He's like, I had a lot of time, like a lot of time out there. So I took a deep breath. I was thinking sigh because it feels like he's almost exasperated, like <sighs> leaving me open again. Yeah. But yeah. That has a bit of a negative connotation. I love shiver to be I love quite it. honest. Yeah. Let's go with shiver. Go okay. with shiver. That's good. That That's good. Was that his, was that even his best play though from from game one of the Eastern Conference Finals? Like it maybe throwing a lob off the uh, backboard to Collins and maybe that you know nice behind the back dime. I think it was to Herter there for three uh, earlier in the game. TK, is there another one I'm forgetting? What was what was Trey Young's like most iconic play from this game? There's like four. It feels like. Uh, the most iconic play is 100% the shiver, but this was the kind of highlight tape that I made everybody in my family watch. Laura, once she finished with Real Housewives last night, I'm like, you have to see this, and you especially have to pay attention during the third quarter, because, like, the string of plays that he had was incredible. He had the alley-oop off the glass to John Collins in the playoffs, in traffic, incredible stuff, looked super smooth to the point where you're like, did they just do that? 
And then they're like, oh yeah, we uh, we practiced that in a preseason game years and years ago. And then they pull it off in game one of the finals. Amazing. Next time down, Trey Young gets, uh, I think he gets Drew Holiday with a nasty crossover to eventually get to a floater that he shoots off one leg, kind of mm-hmm. puts it up right-handed. That one was like so Allen Iverson to me, watching the way he got open on that. And then, it, uh, then I think he had another take to the middle that was a floater. And then he had uh, the shiver shake for the three. It was just... He had the palm, the the crowd eating out of the palm of his hands, despite the fact that they were Bucks fans. Man, that was um, it's fun to watch. Like, I don't know, he's just such an entertainer right now. He's got to be the most watchable guy in the playoffs. Like Devin Booker's been killing as well, but yeah. Trey's doing it to the next degree, right? Bringing yeah. in the taunts and I don't know, all of his baskets almost feel like backbreakers, and just the mastery he has in the pick and roll is crazy because everybody's like, oh, Mike Budenholzer, this guy never makes adjustments. He did. He went to Giannis at the five to close this game. I was thinking P.J. Tucker, where's going to be his spot in this series? But Trey was so good in the first half that they had to go away from the drop coverage. And that honestly killed the Bucks because Collins and Capella went wild on the glass. Yep. So I think Brooke Lopez has to play more in game two. Uh, he was instrumental in that Nets series. He basically won them game three, challenging Bruce Brown at the rim. Won them game seven, huge block on Kevin Durant. Mike Budenholzer, he adjusted too soon. Can you believe it? Yeah, I hear you on the Brook. The only difference with obviously like blocking Brown at the rim or even that Durant one that he gobbled up, which was huge, and he was awesome in Game 7, is like, it's just Trey, he doesn't go all the way to the rim. Like that floater is just cash right now. He is, it is so pretty to watch when someone has that going. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love the floater. And uh, you almost like, you got to assume more guys got to start adding that to the game. And I think they have been over the last couple of years. But Collins, another monster game, like you said, TK and Capella, Huge. I mean, Capella, what? The offensive rebound was like the deciding bucket, really, uh, when Giannis was at the five. And just down the stretch, they were getting every offensive rebound. There was one where they got two straight, and that result resulted in the Collins three-pointer, which has happened for the Hawks in this postseason before. I remember another game where they got an offensive rebound, and it ended in a Collins three-pointer in the corner. And then, yeah, that Capella one there was a second-chance layup. Five offensive rebounds, Tess, in the last four minutes. Um so Trey Young getting all the headlines, but those two big guys, Capella and Collins, were were awesome again. They continue to to really really impress a lot of people. What does Bud do? Do you do you think what Trey's saying is is the right strategy? What I don't even know what he does at this point. Yeah, I, I think they got to just come out with a, a little bit more tenacity on Trey Young. Like just be able to follow him around a little bit harder. And I know Brooklyn. Brook drop, drops every single time to the rim. That's his thing. Uh, but I think he's just got to get a little bit more into the floater space. You got to adjust. And the floater space is the lane, really. I mean, you, you just you just have to be able to cover some more ground. But it, it's really tough. Uh, if you come play him, yeah, you're likely going to get a lob on your head. Uh, <laughs> but if you've got... Uh, a little bit more tenacity from the the point guard spot. Was it's, whether it's Drew Holiday, I think they do miss Dante Divincenzo a little bit here. Um, Drew's got to he's got to come back and, and be ready to to play with uh, Capella a little bit. I mean, I think they just have to come out with uh, a little bit more intensity. Uh, I think Brook is still going to play, uh, even though you know he was bad in his minutes and the Yanis at the five looked better. But yeah, then they get hit on the offensive glass. So it's it's a tough combination of things happening here. Uh, but I think a good sign for the Bucks is that uh, we're watching this Atlanta Hawks team and Trey Young and John Collins saying, why are people surprised? I mean, they just haven't been watching us all year. And it, it's, it's true. Uh, I think that's part of it. It's This team is just really good and uh, people haven't been watching them. But at the same time, I think the Hawks almost played a perfect game and the Bucks have a lot of room to grow. While the Hawks, I'm not sure they did. Uh, they do after this. Like Trey was ridiculous. Okay, You're, I mean he is playing at a level that's you know like every every other great player in the league right now. Like he's playing on a Kevin Durant level. I mean he is just playing at a level that's so so high. And then Collins had an 11 for 16 game. He's playing so perfectly you know going from that guy to rejecting a contract to a guy now just being a a a garbage guy number one getting those offensive rebounds a key one in the last few minutes and just picking his spots offensively like that going from a guy who argued uh with trey young and lloyd pierce uh in uh in a film session about getting the ball more and now he's just picking his spots perfectly to go 11 for 16 uh and and then yeah even herder contributed and capella contributed i think uh, it, it worked almost perfectly, um, but on the other side, yeah, Chris Middleton just stunk. 
Uh, he, he really did. Uh, Kevin Herter outplayed him. And so I think there's a lot of room to grow there. Uh, Chris Milton can get a heck of a lot better. But, um, I, you know, we're sort of like... Even us, as when we watch every single game, we all react. We're all reactive, and we're all wondering, is this Trey Young guy going to do this? Is he this good? Is he going to be able to take it to this level? Well, I think we're, you know, he's given us the answer. He can be a superstar in this league night in and night out. But does he have the supporting cast that the Bucks do? Are, are, the, are, are these Hawks players going to play this well every single night throughout this series? And are these Bucks players going to play this poorly, especially Chris Middleton, uh, throughout this series a- and defensively? And I think the answer is probably no. I think the Bucks should still come back. Is it a douchebag sweep? No. But uh, I think they do come back uh, because there's just more room to go, grow. And, and the guys around Trey Young have to grow. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, is uh, an issue because he is hurt. I mean, he gave you four points yesterday. I mean, if he's playing great, then maybe this is a different series, but I think he is hurt. So uh, we're watching a superstar here, Um, but it it is a lot to ask of Trey Young to score 48 a game. I think that's going to come down. Uh, He was one of seven in the fourth quarter. He was one of seven on floaters in the second half. Uh, And so you're just asking him to do a ton. It's nice he can hide on defense uh, in this series, but it was almost a perfect game for the Hawks. They have figured out game ones, that's for sure. Now, three straight series where they go into the other uh, opponent's barn and, and, and win. New York, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. This is the other part. These numbers that he's putting up are against all great defenses. Like, the Knicks, the Sixers, and the Bucks are like some of the best defensive teams in the league, and he's just carving them up uh, almost on a nightly basis, uh, it feels like. He's had like a maybe one or two sort of bad games at this point in the playoffs. Every other one's been a banger. But I'll say, when Giannis scored six straight points there, Lee, and then Drew Holiday, I think it was, splashed a three, it was like a 9-0 run that turned a two-point bucks deficit into a 105-98 advantage. There's only like four minutes left. They're up seven. They're at home. You know, you've you sustained what feels like the Trey Young avalanche, but then the Hawks scored the next five, and then it was back and forth down the stretch. And Draymond Green was tweeting, actually earlier in the game, but it applies to that moment too, these Hawks are unbothered, and that's a great thing to have in the playoffs. It's actually a thing. That's what Draymond was tweeting about. Uh, what, what do you think about that tweet? I think there's a lot of truth to that because, like you said, they've come back time and time again. They do not get all that concerned. They're like, we can score in bunches because we might have the best offense player left in the playoffs in Trey Young. Let's just get some stops and take care of the glass and slowly get back into it. They're not bothered. There's no panic. You never sort of see anyone on the team sort of get super frustrated. They just keep on working and keep on grinding. And, and you mentioned there a couple of times, especially Giannis, I think, had maybe three plays in a row where he basically caught an alley-oop or just dunked the ball. And I think there's a lot more of that for Milwaukee because um, Giannis didn't touch the ball on that last possession, which ended in a Connaughton three. But if you're Budenholzer, I think that's what he has to go to a little bit more. Just get Giannis going into the paint. But for the Hawks, and Trey, he said it after the game uh, game six victory uh, in Atlanta uh, and the game seven victory in, in uh, Philadelphia. He was just like, you know, we just we just hang in there till the end. No, they lost game six, didn't they? Actually, yeah. sorry, it must have been game five. Anyway, after game five and game seven, you know, he just says we just hang in there till the end, and 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 it really does feel like that that they don't sort of go away from what they're doing. They don't sort of take um, bad or rushed shots. They keep their offense going. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. But everyone works hard. And and again, John Collins. He's becoming like a fourth quarter John Collins, you know, always making impactful plays, whether it's defending shots, contesting shots, keeping the ball alive offensively. And he knows he seems to hit that big fourth quarter three all the time. So, you know, they are certainly all on the same page right now. Lou Williams last night, for example, didn't get a whole lot of minutes, wasn't doing all that much. So he didn't really stay on the court. Nate McMillan went back to Trey Young and Bogdanovich is definitely a concern. There's no way. I couldn't believe he was out there half the time. There was a part where Middleton just like, he just walked by him. <laughs> it was yeah. Like, yeah, the guy so can't move. You have to wonder uh, about his status going forward because uh, they have to you know, they have to get him right because they can't have him out on the court there where he's uh, he's not really contributing. And I mean, Solomon Hill came off when Nate was uh, when uh, Trey was on the bench. Solomon Hill had a big dunk out of nowhere. He, uh, yeah, that he was sort weird. of gave. Yeah, <laughs> that a bunch was of weird. weird people dunking last. Yeah. Like Drew Holiday had two dunks. Two left-handed with the dunks. Left-hand too. dunks yeah. yeah. Um, so th- that's certainly an area of concern here for the Hawks at how much depth they've got because uh, their bench is thin anyway. And they, they need Bogdanovich, I think, really to be able to give them something because he can also handle the ball when Trey does sit uh, if, you know, if Lou doesn't have it. So that, that's certainly an area of concern. But ultimately, you know, Trey only played 41 minutes last night and Nate McMillan didn't sort of leave it too long when the Bucks were making a run. He pulled him back in. 
and he just lets him dictate the offense. And and uh, I just didn't feel that Milwaukee at any point was like, okay, let's really put him under pressure. It was almost like keep going under screens. And once he once he shook a defender so many times, you saw the defender just basically give up. And that was that that just leaves then Trey with so many options of that three. To go to the floater. He had that uh, the, the behind-the-back layup there last night when he was sort of trapped in the corner. So he doesn't panic. And uh, mm-hmm. that, I think, you know, that is why that sort of filters through to the rest of the team. The guy with the ball is going to make the right decision, and he often does because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't go for the hero ball. He, he He's more than happy to trust his teammates when they're there, but he also takes a shot when he's open. So it's, it's just been incredibly impressive this entire run in the playoffs and uh, since Nate McMillan took over. Yeah, wasn't it Budenholzer at the, uh, I guess, end of the third quarter when they do the quick little coach interview with uh, Stephanie Reddy? Didn't he sort of allude to, Bud was like, I mean, he's asked about Trey Young, I think, and he's like, well, he almost was like, well, we can't stop him. And it was the classic, we just got to worry about everybody else. Like, let's just take care of trying to prevent everybody else from scoring. Uh, Am I crazy or that's sort of what he was like? admitting to some extent and maybe it's the right strategy if it's if it's Trey going for his 45 to 50 okay but you can't let Collins go for 23 and Capella own the glass and and these other guys Bogdanovich obviously didn't do anything because that's on Drew Holiday though right like I mean Drew Holiday was getting straight up roasted and that guy was all defense this year he had a great offensive game but like you're saying with that Solomon Hill take that was on Drew Holiday just weird it just seemed like he wasn't completely tuned in on the defensive end of the game. So yeah, he's gotta be better. He's gotta be more physical. That's really what changed the series uh, with the Nets was when PJ Tucker got all up into Kevin Durant, started mm-hmm. fouling him every time down the court, but you can't call it. That's what Drew's gotta really do um, against Trey Young because like you're saying, Taz, what did he finish? One for seven on floaters in the second half, you said, but that leaves the rebounding there for Collins and Capella. I think uh, Brooke Lopez played eight minutes in the second half of game one here. And in the second half of game one, Collins and Capella combined for 21 rebounds. Yeah. That's how, I mean, you're not stopping anybody. You're at that point. Yeah, you're not getting a Trey Young floater, but you're giving two points up on a rebound putback or something like that, or an alley-oop. There are other ways to score. So yeah, I mean, they didn't do anything. The, the Bucks didn't do anything to take away Trey Young last night. And then they still got crushed on the glass. That's why I think they got it. Lopez needs to be out there again. He was a huge part of the reason they won Game 7 uh, against the Nets. He can score inside. Maybe he could draw some fouls on Clint Capella, get him out of the game, because Capella was awesome again last night. So, I don't know. The Bucks just got to have a little bit more ferocity coming in Game 2. Yeah, yeah I saw that's, that's what happened in last series as well. We saw Trey crush everybody who tried to guard him in Game 1 against Philly. Ben Simmons came out in Game 2 and really changed things, and he, he Trey was off. Uh, and... And that's what you got to do. I mean, Trey is yeah, super duper comfortable out there if you give him space. And yeah, Drew looked old. I mean, he's more of a physical guy than a quick guy uh, for sure on the on the defensive end. But uh, he's got to be all over Trey. That's got to be his one job. He's got to mm-hmm. be you know face guarding him for you know for lack of a better a defensive uh, game plan. Just just be all over him. I mean, that's that's got to be it because. You can try and speed up Trey a little bit, like it happened in the Sixers series in Game Two and Game Three that they they came back and won. Uh, but uh, you know Trey's Trey's not only you know hitting all these shots and comfortable and getting everybody involved and, and feeling good, but he's also running the show. Nate McMillan said after this game that starting last series, Trey is calling most of the plays because he's just reading everything <coughs> so well, uh, and that's his job. Like Nate McMillan's getting the heck out of the way. You know, he's being a guide, but he's also uh, letting Trey decide when he gets into the lane floater or huge dunk on uh dunk on you from capella or from collins like he's he's playing everything really really well so uh it's time for drew uh, to definitely to get in his shorts a little bit i mean that's that's got to be job number one and then yeah the back line's got to be up there as well but yeah it's uh it's, it's then then you put the onus on collins and capella and all that and i think that's what bud was saying he's like yeah uh I don't know. We got to stop all the other guys too. So it's yeah. a problem. It's a problem. I mean, this team is just it's it's developed. You know, since the beginning of the playoffs, Collins wasn't that guy uh, at the beginning of the playoffs, but now he's found his role as, mm-hmm. as a, a really nice complimentary player. And and Capella's going to do his thing. And Kevin Herter, again, I mean, that was he was solid too. Uh, just just solid enough. So they're flying. Could we see Bud go with the old Nick Nurse box one defense like they did uh, Van Vliet on Curry? <laughs> And just try and have Drew completely stick to to Trey Young and give it try a go. Try it, but it won't work. I no. mean, 
Trey's just too quick with his little hesitations and things like that. He just he shook shook off anybody. Yeah. Last night, and that that's where I think the problem is for uh, as great as Drew is, and he's fast, and he's you know a, a little bit smaller than some of the other bigger guys. Trey has the ability to just get to the position he wants to get to. I mean, you just saw it time and time again. And if they are going to continually go under those picks, and that other defender is going to stay back, then you're just giving Trey a uh, a canvas to paint whatever he wants to do. So. Mm. I mean, it's just uh, that that's the problem for Budenholz. I don't think there is an easy solution out there. I mean, no. again, if you want to trap him, fine. But that leaves, you know, Kevin Huerta, uh, John Collins. And I mean, if Bogdanovich can stay on the floor, you've got the shooters or Gallinari. So I think the Hawks would also, you know, they can play that strategy as well. So there's some questions here for Budenholz. But again, it was only a three-point game. So it's not, I, I certainly don't think the series is over by any means. But, no. uh, but Trey, you know, it was like the first game of the Sixers series after the Knicks, it was like, I'm surprised the Bucks weren't a little bit more aggressive early on trying to disrupt Trey. They sort of let him get going. And once he does feel comfortable, then uh, then the game's in his hands. And, uh, you know, and, and proved it again last night. Oh, thank God for Trey Young in this game. Otherwise, this would have been like a 25-point blowout in the first half. I mean, it was like he was doing everything for the Hawks to keep him in it. At times, it didn't even have the feel like of a playoff game. Definitely not an Eastern Conference Finals game. Um, but thank God he was like, he was just floater after floater after floater, keeping them in it uh, to the point where it was a very close game down the stretch and a little back and forth affair. Uh, anything to add to this one, TK, before we uh, get to some other news in the NBA? I liked what John Collins said about Trey Young's oop off the glass. He said, Trey's a bold dude to just be frank with you. What a strange way of saying that. Trey's a bold dude, to just be frank with you. I appreciate the frankness, though, from John Collins, because throwing an oop off the glass in the playoffs, that's A1 bold from Trey Young. Just a hilarious way to put it. I thought Collins was pretty funny on his inside uh, interview last night. Charming guy. Uh, And I think he said it was his first time getting the inside interview, right? I mean, oh, he had yeah. the huge three, had a huge game, so obviously they're going to want to talk to him, and he made the most of it. I think yeah. he used the word, to be frank with you, twice in two different quotes, because I read it in two different places. Wow. Double frank. Uh, today in the AJC, uh, he's just being frank. Uh, and, he, and he said, like, you, people don't watch us, to be frank, you know? Like, I, think, <laughs> I think I'm... That's true. Frank. Uh, John true. Frank Collins. No, thank you for being so frank. Uh, yeah, I, I think one little thing, I mean, Lee alluded to it. Uh, Giannis needs to be front and center. I, I think that's the, you know, the issue with Bud is he gets everybody involved, and that's the thing. But nobody really had it going there the last few minutes. And after Giannis you know, had one of those sort of Red Rover dunks where he's like dribble handoff, and the guy who comes and gets the ball and him just sprint to the hoop, like, Red Rover, Red Rover, I'm dunking on your ass. Like, that's what it is. It's like him and Drew or him and Middleton, we're just coming to the rim. And so he got that dunk, and then he didn't touch the ball for three straight yeah. possessions. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Pat Connaughton air ball three, which was Whew. strange. Uh, why? I don't know. Who uh, moved he, the mound back on that one? <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and then there was uh, the Drew Holiday missed layup where he didn't want to shoot but got it back and hit the front of the rim. Uh, and then there was another Chris Middleton in and out, which he had a, he had a rough, rough night. Uh, but, yeah, three straight possessions. He didn't touch the ball. It's just... I know you want to do this thing by committee, and, and sometimes if Chris Middleton has a better game, then I think this is a blowout. It, it is, right. but... Uh, but, uh, yeah, when it's not going, just just give Giannis the dunky dunks. I mean, that's... He was that's also hitting he, his free throws yeah. last night, too. So you weren't even yeah. that concerned. Like, if he got hacked, you're like, okay, he's knocking him down with some consistency. I don't know what he finished. If you got him in front of you there, Lily, yeah. when Giannis go from the line last night. It took him a while still when he got there, but... Uh, yeah, I know. That's, he was six for eight. Six yeah. for eight. So that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You're gonna that's the problem with putting him at the five, though, too, is that just he's going if to... He, if he's at the five, trying to box out, block, rebound be that back line of defense, and then he's got to go dunky yeah. dunk and be the offensive guy. This was a lot of work. Yep, for sure. Uh, Middleton, yeah, he missed a potential tying three-pointer in the closing seconds there. He shot 6 of 23, like you guys said. He missed all nine of his threes. Uh, this is this is the Middleton that I got you know upset mm. with uh, last series, early in the series, and then he, then he turned it on, so he could do that. I think Stephen A. called him a walking roller coaster because of the highs and lows. I got a problem <laughs> with that, though. Roller coasters are fun. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so I was thinking, like, 
Maybe an elevator? He's a walking elevator? He's a walking it's, it's, there's a lot of ups elevator. and downs with Chris Middleton, but it's not all that exciting, uh, generally. I don't know if you got something better, TK. I couldn't think of anything better than an elevator. He's not a roller coaster. I'm not... Uh, maybe a child's roller coaster? I guess hey, those are sort man, of boring. it's fun when he's hitting the game winners. No, I know. No, I'm saying he's good, but it's like, even when he's, like, pouring in 39 points, it's still Chris Middleton, I guess. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> That's for, I mean, he's got ask. the perfect name, man. Chris Middleton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good point. I don't know. What were you going to say, Tass? You have another idea? Not a good one, no. no. I mean, I was thinking a walking escalator. Like, it's like, it's kind of <laughs> looks interesting. And then you get on it, it's like, you know, you maybe do get the, to the top. Maybe it's the flat one where you sort of think, all right, I'll do this. At the then, airport? Yeah, but then you end up start walking on it anyway because it's like, come on, move quicker than this. You yeah, know? but that, that takes out the uh, ups and downs. I know, but that's a, game, yeah, yeah. In, in a series, at least, when he can go for 6 of 23. And then would we be at all surprised if Middleton hits six threes in game two? Of course Goes not. for 35. Five, you know, yeah. like no, you wouldn't, because he does do that. He he can score. But um, how about I, this from I Belinda? This might be good. Okay, Chris Middleton is a walking Ferris wheel. <laughs> okay, because he does go yeah. up. No yeah. doubt he goes up, and when it's up top, nice, great yeah. views, great views. Comes down eventually. I, I like that. I like that more than a roller coaster because. I like getting on a Ferris wheel, but I think I like the idea of a Ferris wheel more than when I'm actually on it. <laughs> right? It's like I don't need to go around more than once. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's like okay, the I'm highs here. aren't as high. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Too. On a Ferris wheel, yeah. yeah. You're just there. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. He's good a one. walking Ferris wheel. <laughs> Chris Middleton, a walking wheel. Ferris wheel is a great line. Okay. Uh, get, let's hear your predictions for the rest of this series, though. Uh, in the stream team. Have you changed your opinion on this with the Hawks taking another game one on the road? Or uh, maybe you were like to like Trey and, and Lee from the jump here, liking the Hawks to begin with. Uh, let us know. We got lots of news. We're actually going to get into is this news, but let's take our first break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back with No Dunks. Time for a little Is This News. Yeah. Is this news? Going to throw a headline at you guys, and we will debate whether or not it's newsworthy. And the first one is, by way of ESPN, Boston Celtics finalized their coaching deal with Brooklyn Nets assistant coach Ime Yudoka. He is in. They've got their man. And uh, by all accounts, he got strong recommendations, guys, from some key Celtics players there in Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, who all played for Yudoka on Team USA in 2019 FIBA World Cup. For those that don't know, he was a he was a longtime assistant with the Spurs, and then he was on Philadelphia for a couple of years under Brett Brown, and then this year, last year in Brooklyn under Steve Nash. He also played. He was a you know a decent role player in this league, a defensive minded guy, and maybe that's what the Celtics are, are getting here. They wanted a young guy, Lee, and he's only 43, 44. 43, yeah. yeah, and obviously he has some relationships with their star players, and and he does bring. Uh, I, I would think. A little uh, defensive-minded toughness, I guess, to, to the idea of what they want to go forward with this roster. So Steven's got his man. What do you think? 
Yeah, he did. Uh, congratulations to him. And I think uh, he has certainly paid his dues, Ime Udoka. And uh, it's great to see he's getting an opportunity there on a good team. I think that's uh, really important there. He's got some good talent. If they obviously have some sort of a relationship there with Brown and Tatum, I think that gets things off to a good start because they kind of know what to expect now from Udoka. I should say, I think the defensive-minded presence is what uh, Boston's identity tends to be anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, he sort of fits in line with that uh, strategy and uh, you know it's just always great to see another uh, African-American uh, man get a chance to uh, to coach because uh, we certainly tend to see a lot more uh, Caucasian uh, men get a chance first so he may uh, get a they chance they get a chance first then they get a second chance exactly. then they get a third chance exactly. then they get a fourth and, chance uh, yeah. and uh, you know so I think that's uh, very important as well for, the, for our league to uh, see uh, other players who again it's, it's all about I think you know how long you've uh, been on the sidelines and you've you've put yourself into these positions now you've got recommendations and you've come from the Greg Popovich coaching tree so I think for Boston uh, it's a it's a smart choice and I, I wish him all the best what do you think TK Yudoka in there for Boston yeah I think uh, a smart move I mean who knows what Ime Udoka is going to be as a coach but that's kind of the exciting thing is to not see another retread I think it's smart uh, to bring in a guy who already does have a relationship with your mm-hmm. best players on the team like you're saying playing for that 2019 FIBA World Cup team And, you know, I don't think it's a surprise to see the Celtics go from Brad Stevens, uh, a non-NBA player, to an NBA player. That tends to be the way that uh, coaching decisions go, going from a not player coach to a player coach. So let's see if that little bit of locker room savvy has an effect on the Celtics, who kind of just couldn't get on the same page together this year. They've got a lot of talent. They just need to be all pointing the same direction. Yeah, what do you think, Tass? You got Brad Stevens here now in the front office, ma- making moves pretty quick. He obviously, trading Kemba Walker and then getting getting their head coach there in Yudoka. Anything to add? Ah, happy for Yudoka. Uh, you know, it sort of got got the flavor of a Monty Williams hire for me. Paid his dues, uh, former player, role player, uh, knows uh, how to communicate with guys. Obviously, guys really, 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 really do like him. And uh, here we go. Uh, good, good luck to him. Hope he, uh, hope he. Uh, takes by the horns and goes and and he's been rumored to be a, a head coach for a long time so it just feels natural when he was named mm-hmm. i was just like oh yeah he hasn't been a head coach although he has been so important on benches uh, for a long time and like steve nash said um my my uh assistant coaching staff is going to be very different next year because i got a lot of guys who can coach and then <laughs> boom there goes one yeah you're right his name it felt like any time there was a coaching vacancy was always like on the short list that he was being looked at, uh, Udoka. So he is uh, now the Celtics' 18th, I believe, head coach in their franchise history. Yeah. He's been in rumors for a Neo long time. Very nice. Our next headline, The Athletic. The NBA will have new rules to limit foul calls on non-basketball moves. Um, so, so just for those that don't know, league's going to train officials here to identify and you know properly adjudicate the following overt actions that we sometimes see initiating contact with defenders. Okay, when a shooter launches or leans into a defender at an abnormal angle, when a shooter kicks his leg up or to the side at an abnormal angle, or when an offensive player abruptly veers off his path, you know, sideways, maybe backwards, into a defender. Tass, is this news? They're going to oh, try and crack down on this. It's good news. It's good news for all of us. Will it make a difference? I hope so, but it's about time. We've been talking about this forever. The big mm-hmm. one, yeah, you went through the three, but the, the big one, which has made me and everybody else squirm on our couches for years, is when a shooter launches or leans into a defender <laughs> at an abnormal angle. So right, when, right. when he rockets, it looks like he's horizontal with the floor just to make contact with the guy for no reason at all. It's not because he's shooting the ball, but because he's just drawing a foul. And what could happen, apparently, when you know we, we watch guys do it all the time. Let's say, uh, say Trey Young pump fakes, gets a guy in the air, he goes horizontal and rocks Matisse Thibel's chest for no reason. That could be an offensive foul if they right, go that right. far. Will that happen? I mean, it, has, it just has to stop. It really, it really has to stop. Refs uh, may have to bring uh, a little bit more subjectivity, and I think that's a good thing. They have to bring a little bit, just a, a little bit of basketball savvy, their point of view, instead of sort of letting the, the players dictate it. Like, it's gone too far because every time a player falls now there's a whistle we saw Patrick Beverly a couple days ago when Devin Booker hit him in the face there was no call Devin Booker just went by him 
But then Patrick Beverly hit the floor, decided this is a good time to hit the floor. And so they stopped play and decided, yeah, this that's a foul on, on Devin Booker. Uh, the the players are getting a little too much control uh, and and they should do that. I mean, if you're you're giving them an inch, they're going to take a mile and that's what's happening. But if the refs now take control a little bit in their direction, if the pendulum swings a little bit in their direction instead of the, letting the players dictate, uh, I think that's a good thing. So I, I think this is good just to put in the bag of the refs, like to have them, um, you know, start to, to judge things a little bit differently. And hopefully they do. Like the other one's fine. Kick your leg out, fine. But the really the biggest one is... Now, this has been going on forever. Paul Pierce was doing this. Um, he, I thought he was the king of it, really, for a while. Uh, and now guys are just, yeah, they've, they've, they've put it in their arsenal. It's, it's hard to watch that. So uh, it, that would be great. That would be great. But I, I, I wonder, can the, refs, can the refs judge that? Do you, get, do you guys think the refs can see that on the floor when it happens? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You honestly just made me a little bit more nervous about this because it seems like a great idea. I feel like for the first month of next season, we're going to be talking about overt actions on yeah. every single show. And now, Tass, if you're saying the refs are going to have more power, it sounds to me like more replay. So that would be worse. I would rather have these ugly fouls than go into replay more often because those are the two biggest issues. Weird fouls and dumb replays that take too much time. Things that slow down the game and take you out of the flow of the game. We don't need to give referees another rule. We don't need to give them more power. It should be more the players. They should just, uh, we should be able to know right away if this is a foul. If this turns into more reviews because of this dumb stuff, then it's not worth it, I don't think. I, I, I hope it's the opposite, like you're saying, TK. Yeah, I hope it's those guys that do the pump fake, be it whoever it is. There's so many guys. Of course, everybody points out Harden and Trey, and, and Chris Paul is the king of the stopping, like the almost going backwards, like when a guy's on his back. But just don't call anything. Like, let it go. Because the guy pump fakes and then does the crazy lean, totally just to try and make contact. He's not really shooting it. And if they just call nothing, then likely he's not hitting that shot. It's probably an air ball, and maybe there's, like, an advantage to the defense there because they've done their part. Yeah, if we get into, like, oh, wait, that's an offensive foul because it was uh, um, overt or something like that, ugh, that could <laughs> be worse. Actions. But it is funny, like, Lee, like, it truthfully just comes down to, like, I know this sounds weird, but, like, sometimes you just know whether or not that was a real shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> that you leaning horizontal 10 feet over to try and make contact, that's just not natural. It's not. So I'm not going to call anything. And hopefully yeah. maybe that's how they try and adjudicate this. And they made the rule adjustment with the rip-through move a few years ago. Now, you still do see that from time to time, but it's also pretty well called, I think, for the most time. You know, Kevin Durant still does it occasionally where they rip through, and it's like, okay, that's not a shooting foul unless it's in the penalty, which I wish they would change that rule and make it never a shooting foul, even if you're in the penalty, because you can still kind of get away with it in that sense. But you see, I think it's going to be fairly easy to call for most of these ones. I mean, guys, you know, again, there's there they get the guy in the air, and then all of a sudden yeah, it's, that, it's that move into the guy. And uh, whether that's an offensive foul or I think it's better to just say, just let that one go then. If, if he's trying to create that contact and, and just giving up because they almost never make those shots. So I think that's one way the game can almost eradicate it itself when players like, I don't get that call anymore. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's definitely going to be a few little you know controversies along the way, but like it is with the rip through still. But I think at least the league is uh, addressing it because it is ugly as anything to watch. And uh, as much as these players we love to see, you know, Trey, we don't like seeing it when he sort of does that stuff as well. So uh, I hope that it is a first step towards, you know, getting that rid- getting rid of that from the game. What did you guys think about the play last night where Giannis ends up hitting Trey Young in the face? <laughs> but it's yeah, after that's... the shot, sort of, right? I mean, it's a shot. Sort of. He comes down and, yeah, he's down. The shot has been taken. And then Giannis does slap him or accidentally hits him in the face. Uh, so how are you calling that one uh, officially? Uh, that shouldn't have been a shooting foul in my okay. mind because yeah. it was the ball, I think, almost hit the rim before Giannis even made contact. And, and I think about this, if you think about that before the shot, you know how these days it's almost impossible to get an N1 unless you're like literally releasing the ball. Imagine he pokes him in the eye and then you have like a two or three second delay and then he shoots it. There's no way they would give him shooting fouls, uh, free throws on that. He right. would have been Foul a side out. So, yeah. yeah, so it should have been the same. I, I was very surprised. I think everyone, Reggie was on the, on the call, was very surprised that they were giving him free throws on that because it mm-hmm. was well after he released the shot. Yeah, okay. Well, hopefully, uh, I guess there is concern that this lasts for a month or two and then it sort of starts to dissipate. But maybe the players, 
like some of you have said, like stop doing it because they're getting no calls or even worse, maybe they are getting the weird rare offensive call because they're just throwing their body into a defender. Defense is already next to impossible to play in this league. So I do like the idea of like at least trying to help a defender that plays it well is to the side is challenging a shot and then is not like still given a foul because the offensive player has just decided to like chuck his body into him. I mean, that makes sense. I think we all agree with that. So we'll, we'll see how they do here. Our next one. This is from Shams. This is just a straight up tweet. This guy's a machine. Straight tweet. Yeah, Team USA's 12-man roster for the Tokyo Olympics has been announced. Uh, JD, I think we have the tweet so we can show all the names. If we do, throw it up. If we don't, I'll just say them. Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Jeremy Grant sneaks in there. I think Harden was uh, not a last second, but has ultimately decided not to go to Tokyo because of his hamstring. So Jeremy Grant gets the call. Trey, is this news? How are you feeling about your uh, USA squad there? Well, congratulations to the United States of America on another basketball gold medal. I thought it was going to be tough to get star commitments, and they got Kevin Dang Durant. After lighting it up in the playoffs, incredible commitment from KD. I saw Clutch Points mention that these uh, 12 players are signed for $2.6 billion worth of basketball contracts. And the team's pretty stacked here. A nice mix of old and young. Kevin Durant, Draymond Green return from 2016. Those are the only uh, 2016 players to make the 2021 team, uh, which should be interesting, obviously, giving... KD and Draymond's history. I also love seeing Kevin Love there as the old vet, the Carmelo Anthony of this team. His first time back with Team USA since 2012. Kind of an audition for him, I feel like, for other NBA teams. Like, hey, Kevin Love, he's still got it. He's still making open threes and hitting the glass. That could be huge for his NBA career. And then I love all these new names we're seeing. Damian Lillard getting his first turn. He's going to be one of the major names on this team. And then Olympic debuts for Bradley Beal, Bam, Tatum, Booker, Levine, Drew, Middleton, and Grant. They've got defense and versatility. Draymond, Bam, Drew, guys who can guard multiple positions. The last time Team USA played in a national competition, they sent Brooke Lopez, Mason Plumlee, and Miles Turner. Yuck. Now we got shooting and scoring everywhere. But I am a little concerned. I wonder if some of these teams will change because... There's a couple of Bucks that are on this team, and Devin Booker obviously is on this team. They could go to the finals, both of these teams. They would play the Game 7, I think, is July 22nd, and then they've got a plane booked to fly out on July 23rd. That's a big ask, but baller if they do it. The only guy I'm surprised to not see, considering the way the playoffs has gone, Trey Young. I mean, you would think Trey Young would probably get the ask over Zach Levine, but maybe he said no because he's still going right now. Yeah, those three guys, like you said, Drew, Middleton, and Booker, yeah, they they said, nope, even if we're in Game 7, we'll be there. Because I think the first game is against France on July 25th on the other side of the world. So it would be a quick turnaround. Team so stacked, I think you could still win a game, uh, even against France, who's a good international team, probably without some of those guys, because it would either be, well, two, uh, one, or all three. Uh, I guess it could be if they're playing, the Bucks and the Suns. But, yeah, I think you're right, Trey, like, we sort of thought, what type of team is going to be sent here? Um, you know, is this going to be sort of a B squad here? And this is this is pretty elite tasks. I mean, especially with KD and then all the scores. Were there any surprises to you that maybe were on the list or not? I just thought in general, yeah, the, the quality of the players here just proves how much uh, uh, of a, a priority it is to play for your country. And so that's uh, clearly still high on the list for these guys, for them to say, after all, all, all this that's happened this last year and a half and having a shortened offseason last year, uh, to still be feeling good enough to to want to play. So I think that's the thing. There was a lot of complaining about the truncated offseason mm-hmm. um, last year. So they could have easily just said, no, nah, I, want, I want some R&R, but uh, it's important. I think they're going to do a, uh, a good enough job trying to make it uh, as, as leisurely as possible, like not as many practices, as, as few uh, just as just as easy as it possibly can be. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm excited for that. That 
that back line, I think, is always interesting to watch in international competition. You don't need as much uh, coverage from your center in international competition. You don't, you don't have to travel as far uh, mm. if you're Kevin Love. Uh, and so he could be important. I mean, just to be a, a huge body against some of those big international centers that they have that, again, are, you know, more back to the basket guys. But Draymond can chip in um, at the five, obviously. And, uh, and you got Bam. So that's stacked once again. Super stacked. Let's just get a USA versus the world competition going. Make it a little bit more even. The Olympics just... Everybody band together. USA versus the world. Let's just do it at some point. I'm, I'm a little pissed Melo's not on this team, if I'm being honest. Like, why not? Let him go for his fourth gold. He's the only one in history with three. I guess Durant could tie him here if he gets his third, uh, which, again, with this team, he probably will be. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant, sure. I like him getting the experience, but give me Melo there, Lily. Olympic Melo could still easily give you 20 in, in international play. Ah, uh, yeah, th- th- that would be a great farewell because he's got a... Uh, That'd be awesome. He's got a bronze medal too, I think, from 2004, yeah. I think yeah. it is. So uh, I'm, I'm surprised Kevin Durant's going to get a silver medal this time because, uh, you know, losing to Australia in the final is an unusual choice. But uh, listen, he makes these decisions from time to time. So uh, no, honestly, it's uh, it's honestly when you see Lillard and Beale and uh, Kevin Durant, that's great because it's, uh, you know, there's still some other great players who could have made that roster, but uh, this is a very, very strong team. So that is going to mean that uh, if the USA loses, you you know, it's not going to be like it was perhaps in 2019 where it was like, man, had Plumley on that team. So it doesn't really count. So, uh, and look, I think the international game, you know, you're going to, these, these other countries, as we've seen, they've, they've, they've played together a lot of the times together at different competitions going through the years. And it's always, uh, it's always tougher uh, than perhaps perceived. But uh, the USA will be favorite. They will very likely win the gold medal. But um, I also think we're going to see some good games, some good mm-hmm. battles there. So I'm excited for it. I, uh, unless I have this wrong, this is Greg Popovich's Olympic debut as a head coach, mm. um, as he took the program over from Coach K there too. So he's going after his first uh, gold medal as the yeah, because he was on CBS the bench there. in Athens. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So uh, he's taken over now. So maybe that's hey, maybe that had a small part in some of these guys uh, committing to it and uh, and going over there. So can't wait. Love the Olympic game. Uh, love the international play. It is fun. And you're right. I think they're going to win the gold medal. But some of these teams, these international squads, are actually legit good. And maybe they're in it for a half or whatever. Uh, and, and maybe, hell, maybe they shocked the world. We'll find out. Who's the who's the second best team in the world right now? Right now? Yeah. Serbia, maybe. I was going to say. Jokic isn't playing, though, right? Yeah, that's oh, the thing. That's There's right. so many where guys are not playing. So it does Slovenia. The Slovenia might be good there with uh, Doncic has said he's playing for sure. How does the Australian France, team look? You know, I know Ben Simmons is not playing, but how does it look over? Are all the other guys, are, are Mills in, Ingles in? Yep, yeah. yep, yep, all those guys. Uh, I'm not sure if any of the younger guys like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Giddy or um, Josh Green will play, but uh, Bainesy will probably play. Bainesy plays incredibly well for Australia too. So we've been, uh, we've been so close to a medal in the last two World Championships and Olympics and been stiffed every time. So uh, maybe this is the time we're going to get through, breakthrough. <laughs> All right, final headline here. Um, I'm still not convinced this is actually real, guys, but NBA.com says the Bulls, Thaddeus Young, wins the 2021 NBA Hustle Award. Trey, you're pumped. (laughs) Did you know this was an award? Oh, of course, Skeets. I'm a big hustle fan. You know, I love getting dirty out there. What a day for the Bulls yesterday. They lose the number eight pick in the draft lottery, follow it up with Zach Levine getting named to Team USA, and this major award, the last major award of the NBA season, Thaddeus Young, the 2021 NBA Hustle Award. My favorite part was the subheading uh, on NBA.com that said Thaddeus Young led all NBA players in charges drawn and offensive loose balls recovered on a per minute basis. We're going sicko deep on hustle stats for the hustle award here. And honestly, yep. Thaddeus Young, he was great for the Bulls in the first half of the season, playing small ball five, and he drew a lot of charges. I remember it. Yeah, I, I again, I did not know this was an actual award. Uh, it's been five years strong now. Thaddeus Young won it this year, but uh, Montrez Harrell last year, Marcus <laughs> Smart the year before, Amir Johnson the year before that, and Patrick Beverly. He was the... Uh, the first Hustle Award winner, winner Tass. Um, but I guess uh, Thaddeus Young, he was like top 10 over the last couple of years. So it's about time he finally <laughs> broke through and got it there on the permanent basis. Like, John Schumann come up with this stat? Like, did John Schumann write this and come up with this award? Like, 
Did you know about this task? In all honesty, <laughs> I did not know this was a thing. No, and I'm kind of glad I didn't. Uh, not 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 because it's you know undeserving award, I guess, but just just so I, I got a little bit of distance from the NBA game. So I'm not a huge NBA sicko, where I know that the winner of the NBA Hustle Award is the inaugural one was Patrick Beverly. Followed by if you told me that Thaddeus Young had won it five years in a row, I would have believed you. I totally would have believed you. Uh, but yeah, and I guess it has been five years since. They put in those hustle stats on NBA.com approximately, Maybe, yeah. you know, yeah. putting in charges drawn, uh, which it's cool to look at at times. You know, deflections, yeah. <laughs> Freddie Van Vliet's always in, up there. Uh, but so is this, this isn't, a, was it a vote? Or is it a no, stat-based I th- award? I think it's <laughs> just stat-based, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, the, the stats that they're going off of for this award, if that is how it's decided, charges drawn, deflections, offensive loose balls recovered, defensive loose balls recovered, offensive box outs, <laughs> offensive box outs, oh, screen assists, <laughs> and then contested shots, both two pointers and three pointers. Um, offensive like box outs, like you get a point for a box out. I, I, uh, I mean, look, I guess they track all this, so there's like leaders and like Thaddeus Young. I can get, I give you the breakdown. He was ninth in the league in offensive box out. <laughs> Per one minute. That's my favorite part of all this. And then he was 22nd defensive box outs per one minute. Um, cool. Lee, Lee, anything to add to uh, Thaddeus's big win here? Well, if, if this was an award on our Wednesday night run in Toronto, you know, Sweaty Joe would win this in a uh, in a romp. He was always setting screens. Good he was always boxing assist, out. Yeah, yeah. 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 What about yeah. Nelson? Give Nelson some oh, Nelson. See, it's a, it's a close one. It's a Can't close get one. The, you got the rebound. Don't sell your short, yourself short either, Tass. You'd be in the running for this. You'd be the Thaddeus Young of this award where you'd be like top 10 for three or four years and then maybe break through in that fifth year and get it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thanks so much. I got the BO. I got the box out and the body odor. Give me, give me two points. I don't think he's sweaty enough, though, Tass, as these no. other two, Nelson and Joe. No, he's not even close. Nah, those no. two guys are just like just dripping in sweat from like the first tip-off of the game, too. You know, it's just like some Do of those Do you think dudes. tomorrow on NBA.com someone will win the sweaty award for uh, the 2021 who, who would win season? it this season? Yeah, who's the sweatiest guy in the league right now? You know, this is the uh, – it's like named after Patrick Ewing. Of course yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, who's um, the sweatiest guy? That's a tough one. Uh <sighs> We've talked about somebody's jersey being drenched. Um, well, that was James Harden, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, was Harden was loose. soaking wet yeah. <laughs> at yeah. the end of the Houston tenure for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right, that's uh, that's for the stream team. Who would win the uh, 2020-21 Sweaty Award? Who has the most droplets per minute? Um, you know, perspiration <laughs> Drops on, on their per face. Per one minute, I would love to see a player come in to preseason next year being like. I'm taking home that hustle award. Mm. I'm wow. coming out and I'm boxing out every possession. <laughs> Just imagine like your focus. You're like, uh, like who's a guy who could potentially win this? Seems to be bench guys generally. Bench yeah. energy Kyle guys. Lowry should be in there. Okay. Uh, I think. Kyle yeah. Lowry. Imagine he goes from, yeah. I don't know, he's probably 120th on offensive box outs per minute right now. If he gets that up in the top 40s. <laughs> Most improved hustler. <laughs> Do you guys oh, want to like? Uh, we should make it a, a recurring like segment on the show, where we really track week to week <laughs> who we've got the hustle leader. Like, let's go, let's lean all check into the box this outs. Award. Yeah, yeah. The big beef uh, and the big hustle of the night. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people are saying Joel Embiid super sweaty, Middleton mm. super sweaty, Jokic pretty sweaty. Um, yeah, these are all right. Dylan Brooks is a sweaty guy. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Especially you get it's nice to find a smaller sweaty guy. You know, it makes sense. <laughs> these big giants are really really sweaty. But uh, yeah, people saying hard and they're agreeing with us. Okay, keep them coming, guys. Let's take one more break here and hear from our sponsors before we get to tweet of the night. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder love a hang loose hand or a salute but man it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back ouch we all carry around different stressors big and small when we keep them bottled up it can start to affect us negatively therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, back with No Ducks. Time for Tweet of the Night. Mmm. Tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet. Ah. Well, Trey, you were a little concerned this morning that there were no good tweets last night. Did you find anything? Gotta be honest, Skeets. No good tweets from last night. <laughs> wow. Absolutely zero. Message you Damn. this morning. You see any good tweets? You sent me a terrible one. Sent out a tweet to <laughs> the people out there on Twitter. Any good tweets? No good responses. Maybe some oh. ancient tweets. But luckily, the stream team hooked me up today because Magic Johnson is out and about. So this is tweet of the day. Magic oh, Johnson, yeah. officially on vacation and still <laughs> working out, looking like he's on the deck of a yacht, just pumping iron. Yeah. Look at this. That's Look living the, the life right there. It, man. Yeah. He's in Greece. He said he just arrived in Greece, just on the uh, <laughs> coast there. So... Uh, yeah, that looks like Mykonos, I think. Okay. Good stuff, Magic. Nice yeah. hot tub there. Look at him just like, <laughs> like, I mean, you like to blast a gram when you go away for sure, but he's like, hang on, I got to get some, I got to get some dumbbells in here. I got to do a workout. And, uh, but it's like a some, full workout set. Like there's yeah. a bench with a bench with press there. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's on a super yacht, man. I mean, this is yeah. not that surprising. You never watch Below Deck? <laughs> no. Boats are incredible, You man. think this is an episode? You think uh, Captain Lee's going to show up here for this? Oh my God, I hope so. If Magic Johnson is on below deck, yes, 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 yes. Uh, but he's looking good, looking in great shape there. All right, yeah, got a good tweet there. And I think in we would end. all be smiling ear to ear, just like Magic is, if we were out, uh, you know, out in Greece on a mega yacht, getting that pump in. And it looked like he had more than one pool in front of him. Like it looked like there was a pool directly to the left of the bench press, and then another like hot tub just a few steps up there. So. I don't know if it's kind of one of those things where you hop in a cold tub, hop in a hot tub, hop in mm. a cold tub to, to really cool out, but he's living the life. Yeah, Magic Johnson. Just killing it. Always killing it. All right, guys, we'll call it there for today's show. Thank you so much to the stream team for joining us live. Thanks to everybody for downloading and listening to the podcast. Thanks to my buddy Grish for uh, hooking me up with this sweet office that I'm now going to lease full-time. Do you guys want to like permanently record the show in here? We can just all come to his house uh, every morning. It's got a kitchen. Uh, you know, I know that's the number one thing. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Him. I, I couldn't believe it. the power's still out, so I'm, I'm happy I made this decision because I was I wanted to talk to you guys about game one there with Ice Trace performance and all of those news. Email us your questions and comments for the next Beach Step and Podcast. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks inc. That's I N C. Um, you can also leave them in the YouTube comments below. We also see those, so don't be afraid to do that. If you don't have an athletic subscription, go to theathletic.com slash no dunks so they know we sent you to sign hey, up for that. To, sorry and, to interrupt. Uh, no, but finally, there... hold on. Finally, go to nodunks.com. Get all your immaculate items. Yes, go ahead. Sorry, but there is breaking news from okay. Tim McMahon. Uh, the Indiana Pacers have apparently re-signed Rick Carlisle. Okay. Four years, four years $29 million contract. So uh, he's going back to where I think that was his first head coaching job in Indiana, that's, I believe. That sounds that right. was a that's Pacer man. Yep. Okay, Rick Carlisle. I mean, not a surprise. We, uh, especially when he left the Dallas Mavericks pretty abruptly there after the uh, the athletic bomb there from Tim Cato and Sam Amick. It was like, well, 
he's going to coach somewhere else, right? There's all these openings. He's just going to try and decide where he wants to. Okay. Rick Carlisle to Indiana. We'll talk about it. Maybe in more detail on tomorrow's show. Game three between the Suns and the Clippers tonight. We're back in LAC. Any predictions before we wrap this up, Trey? Uh, Chris Paul, I think, is probable. He's very likely going to be playing in this game. No Kawhi Leonard. Uh, what what happens here tonight? Yeah, try, try and make sense of it for me. Give me a prediction, big guy. Clippers by six. That's the picks. 20, yeah. 22 threes for LA tonight. Oh, a bunch of three-pointers going to drop for the Clips. Uh, what do you think, Tass? Can the Suns extend their postseason winning streak to 10 games tonight? That's what would happen if they win tonight. What do you think? Oh, I, yeah, I think there's a good chance. I, I, just, I just have a great feeling that there's never going to be a blowout in this series, and that's all I'm hoping for. Okay. I'm being selfish, but I think uh, yeah, the first game got up to 10, a double-digit lead for I think it was like 30 seconds. It was really quick. No double-digit lead in Game Two, and these two teams are—they're just—they should go down to the wire. That's for mm-hmm. sure. I, the Clips are going to win one game, so let's hope it's Game Three. Let's 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 cheer for them. We don't want a three-one series. When after, was after the last? Games. When was the last like crappy postseason game we've had in this playoffs? Like you know, I—it's I, I, been a good run we're on here with Box like Nets really Game Two, maybe two, probably. Yeah. Oh, wow. All the way back to them. That's not bad. I'm yeah. happy with that. There's been a lot, a lot of close games. Lee, uh, what's your prediction here? Clippers steal one tonight. Yes, that's what we want. We want this steal series to. Well, they, 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 they shouldn't be winning it and then they <laughs> get it in the end? I, I want the Clippers to win tonight. I want them to uh, keep that series alive. So give me the Clippers by a bucket. Yeah, just to peel back the curtain for everybody. It's around this point when you get to the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals that we want... Uh, as, a, as a team here, as a No Dunks team that does a daily show every day, you sort of want some long series because oh, yeah. the last thing we want is one series to wrap up really quick and the other to keep going, which is great because we want like a six or seven game series. But yeah, some sweep in the in the conference finals lately, then there's a lot of filling to do. Then we're talking yeah. about Rick Carlisle coaching the Pacers for 50 minutes on one show. <laughs> you know, we don't want exactly. that. So yeah. hopefully, we, uh, hopefully the Clippers make this uh, an interesting series. But we'll see, man. Suns can't lose right now. It's wild. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern here live on YouTube, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first, have a great time, turn up, love you guys, awesome. Thanks for joining us, and since we talked about the Olympics, I'm gonna throw up stream teamer Mark M's comment, Team Canada versus Team Greece, June 29th, coming soon. Wow. Five o'clock Mountain Time, seven (laughs) o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, I mean, it's always tough when Canada plays Greece, I don't know who to cheer for, but it's usually I go with Greece, because they've got the better chance. Canada doesn't have one. Greece has. Yeah. Ole, ela sole, ole. They're playing in Canada, ole. Tass. They're playing in Canada, man. Yeah, even if we don't have a game in the Western Conference Final or whatever the schedule is, we can just come on and talk about this game. In okay. Victoria, Canada, Greece. What a battle. Fine with me. Embrace the day, people. You could stay. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 